Hello everybody, welcome to episode 94 of the Metal Cell podcast. I'm your host Richie and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that furious piece of black and trash metal. It was of course Hellripper with Blood Orgy of the She-Devils. And I was delighted to welcome James McBain of Hellripper to the Metal Cell podcast. Hellripper has been fast gaining a reputation for whipping up an infectious storm of black and speed metal greatness with over 1 million listens on Spotify. The perfect blend of old school legends including Venom, Motorhead, Creator and Metallica. James formed Hellripper in 2014 with the release of the debut EP The Manifestation of Evil. James signed to Peaceful Records after releasing a full album, EP and numerous split singles with other bands. His first offering for Peaceful Records is The Affair of the Poisons, which featured the track that you just heard and that was released on the 9th of October. So joining myself and James is Jack O'Neill of Corosa and Gallock. Enjoy the interview and don't forget to subscribe to the Metal Cell podcast. You can find all the episodes up now on www.themetalcell.com. And once again, thanks to James McBain of Hellripper, all the ways up in Scotland, for coming on the show and hopefully we'll see you playing in Ireland in 2021. Hello, this is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Jack. How are you, man? How's the crack? And James of Hellripper. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I love the mug, actually. I love the cup. I was going to say, <laughs> I have the same one. <laughs> uh, Easter eggs, yeah? Indeed, yeah. Three cups. <laughs> I have a Metal Cell Podcast cup. I'll send it on to you, man. There's a few of them gathering dust. You get a nice, nice firm grip on that one, actually, Richie. You get a good cup of tea into that. You get a good cup of tea, man. <laughs> what, what do you usually drink, James? Are you tea or coffee, man? Yeah, tea. Uh, no coffee at all. I'm not a big fan of coffee at all. Um, just a normal tea. Mm. Nothing fancy. <laughs> fueled, fueled by tea. Fueled yeah. by tea, yeah. That's the Irish way, man. Barry's tea and Lyons tea. Can't beat it. <laughs> So you've had an interesting year, to put it mildly, James. What are your thoughts on it at the moment, since it's kind of grown to a halt? Um, it was just, uh, we planned to release the album in May. Um, so yeah. the album's been done for uh, almost a year now, about nine months now. Um, and it was planned to be released in May. We were supposed to have a few dates throughout the year. Um, we had the, a European tour with Midnight um, for next month in November, a few UK dates, um, metal days, we're st- supposed to play metal days uh, and oh, a couple wow. other festivals fuck. during the summer and of course everything just yeah. went on fuck and um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any thoughts, I mean it, it's happened, mm. it, I mean everyone's in the same boat and I mean as long as everyone's okay, that's, I mean that's the main thing, Yeah, we, we can get back to doing gigs, I can release the album yeah uh, like later on and stuff so i mean yeah i mean everyone's in the same boat and i'm sure everyone's got similar thoughts it's yeah. quite shit but <laughs> so the new album is the affair of the poisons we can officially say that now mm-hmm. um there's is there eight tracks on it james 
Eight tracks, yeah. Uh, just under half an hour, I believe. Twenty nine minutes, I think. Oh, nice. The, the usual, uh, the usual running length for you. Yeah, uh, any longer than that usually, and I start to get bored myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's a nice time though. Just thirty minutes of an assault, like. Yeah. I think that's a, a good time for this kind of music. I mean, obviously, if you're going, like, of course, like the Stoner and Doom and stuff. Of course, you need more than half an hour, but. Of course, yeah, for one time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think speed metal, about 30 minutes is probably yeah. the most ideal, 30, 35. We can all yeah, respect that, man, since our backgrounds yeah. are very much that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get started in this, James? Maybe just fill in listeners there, first of all, about where you came from, kind of growing up, a bit about yourself first. Yeah, so, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was around... I mean, properly, I started playing guitar when I was maybe around 13 or so. That's when I really started to get into metal. I mean, before that, I was kind of learning how, how to play, like, classic rock, like ACDC and stuff, like, just kind of messing around. But once I discovered, like, Metallica and Megadeth and stuff, when I was about 14, 15, I think, um, 13, 14, 15, that's when I started properly playing guitar, like, learning thrash, speed, and improving my playing um, and yeah, just got into metal, tried to get like bands together with my friends throughout the years. Like, Where was this now, James? Yeah, it's Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Okay. Yeah, in Aberdeen. Okay. Um, and yeah, just never worked out um, be, uh, being young and stuff. Like when I was like 16 and stuff, you don't really know much people. Um, so it's particularly hard to find a drummer. Um, <laughs> we all uh, laugh at that one. It's a recurring thing. Very common problem. So yeah, like we try to, a couple of friends of mine try to get some bands together throughout the years and for whatever reason it didn't happen. Um, and then when about 2014, I got, I started Hellripper um, and decided just to do it myself um, because if I waited any longer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything if I tried to wait for other people and stuff. Because mm. at the time I wasn't really involved in the scene. I was just kind of okay. starting to get involved. Um that's interesting that you, yeah. you weren't involved in any kind of scenes growing up. Yeah, um, I think the main problem, um, I believe like the, the main venues were like age-restricted. So in order to get to a local gig, you had to be 18. And yeah. I started getting involved in the scene when I was about 18, 19, I think. But yeah, so I, I think at the time I started Hellripper, I was just kind of getting involved in the scene. I didn't know much people... And I thought I might as well just do things on my own. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it grew from there, really. Is it true as well that you, it was your uncle's records that you got into kind of yeah. a lot of, that's a cool story. I don't know yeah, where I picked that out of, but yeah. Yeah, um, I think I said it in an interview once. I can't remember. But yeah, um, my uncle, um, he was into like all this sort of stuff in the 80s. And he, my mom like showed me his records that he had he had kept it at my grand my grand's house um, when I was a kid. So I was, um, I don't know how old I must have been, like between five and 10. I've got no idea when I first like decided to like look at them out of curiosity. And there was stuff mm. like Judas Priest, um, Ozzy, um, Black Sabbath, uh, like Dio era as well, Discharge, Motorhead. Ah, um, sweet. What else was there? Just loads of stuff. There's a lot of like obscure 80s punk 
stuff. Um, a lot of like like seven inch singles, you know, like the new wave of British heavy metal and stuff. A real treasure trove then. Yeah, I actually can't remember all that's in there. There's probably like a few really cool, really, really cool things in there. But yeah, I, that kind of like got my interest in music. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of them straight away, of course. I was just, I, I just mm. kind of got me into music. And then, yeah, just over, over the years, I kind of like my interest grew in music and I started going back and discovering Judas Priest and, all that kind of stuff, the stuff that he had in his in his collection. So, yeah, that was cool. It was, yeah. What was the first gig you were brought to? Or, or did you actually go to a, a proper gig now? First proper gig I went to was when I was 15, was Airborne, um, Airborne and Black Spiders in Glasgow. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was the first gig. And I... I think the second gig may have been I went to see Airborne again, Airborne and Enforcer later that year. Okay. That might have been the second gig. I'm not too sure, actually. The scene in Aberdeen, is there much of a scene there or is it you find yourself having to travel a lot to Glasgow and Edinburgh? Um, They seem to be the main two. Yeah, since I'm up in the Highlands now, I moved away from Aberdeen about uh, two years ago, three years ago. I can't remember. But when I was moving out of Aberdeen, the the scene was kind of declining when, um, in about 2014 to 2017 I would say Aberdeen had like a really cool scene and it was growing there was a lot of bands coming out there was a lot of cool bands uh, coming to Aberdeen um, like even like kind of you know like smaller bands like um, I mean I say smaller but like Infernal Sea and stuff um, basement torture killings and all that Oh, I heard it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would they would come to Aberdeen, so it was like not just local bands. Um, there were never really much big bands would come to Aberdeen. You'd get Iron Maiden would come every year. Hmm. Um, and it sounds a bit like us. We're a bit starved down there. Yeah, here exactly. Well. But yeah, we were. It, the scene was kind of growing. Like there was a good punk scene, a really good punk scene, and a lot of metal kind of happening. And then things started to go just go downhill after like our the main venue got um got a noise complaint and was forced to shut like basically straight away and Jeez. yeah then there was kind of no i mean there were still a couple a couple of venues but at the heart of the scene was kind of at this venue so yeah it usually is isn't it yeah so things just start to kind of go downhill from there but like i say i haven't been in aberdeen really for mm. two three years so I, I can't really yeah. comment what it's like right now, but when I when I left Aberdeen, it was kind of declining. Mm. But yeah, and when was that? Had you started the Hell Ripper process yeah. at that stage? How did the idea of the actual name and the, the type of music? How did that come um, about, James? I'm just a fan of the kind of music, um, so it was just simply I wanted to do that kind of thing. At the time, I had started another band with a friend. It was just like a two piece. Uh, he was learning to play drums um, and I was going to do guitar and we kind of just, we thought we'd get involved in the punk scene. So like the insp- like the original in- inspiration for that band was like kind of a mixture between like hardcore, like black flag type stuff and kind of like uh, Dark Throne, like the punk era Dark Throne. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like a band that we were involved in the scene with. Um, okay we managed to get a band together for that, but 
around the same time I was uh, thinking of doing like a more thrash project like Toxic Holocaust, um, uh, Venom, Sodom. all that kind of stuff. All the, yeah, Sodom, Creator, mm-hmm. all the stuff that you can hear in Hellripper. I was kind of like, real, I was really into that and no one else that I, re- I knew was into that kind of style. So I thought I might as well just try try and record things at home, see how that goes. Um, it's kind of like a hobby. Mm. And I was like, I have, I had my main band at the time, which was the one that I was in, um, Rats of Reality, with my friends. So we were playing shows with that. And I thought I can have like Hellripper as a side thing. I can just do that mm. at home. There's no rush to release anything. There's no, it's just kind of a fun thing to do at home. And of course it's grown since then. And I start to enjoy it more than being in, an actual yeah, band. I like the process more. Um, and are those, James, yeah. are those the lads that play uh, live with Hellripper? Are they the lads who used to be in? Um, a couple of them. Um, so, yeah, um, Peter on drums, he played... No, I'm getting confused. So the first lineup had uh, Clarky, the bassist of Rats of Reality. He played bass for Hellripper live at the mm-hmm. start. And then he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And Peter, who was on drums for Rats Rally, replaced Clarky on bass. Okay. Then Peter um, um, got replaced by Clarky again. So now um, <laughs> it's a, a carousel. Yeah, it's just uh, those two replaced each other. So yeah. Um, at the moment, Clarky is the bassist in Hellripper, and I've got two guys. Um, one guy, Joseph, who played in a couple of indie bands. Um, in the, the local Aberdeen scene and he was I was looking for a new guitarist and I just saw him like kind of posting on Facebook and stuff and he liked Motorhead he liked Metallica from what I could see mm. so I just asked if he wanted to give it a go and he's a great guitarist and stuff so that worked out very well mm. and Max he's actually based down in Brighton he's on drums so that's a bit of a <laughs> a cunt for traveling um, yeah <clears throat> So, I suppose there's um, a lot of advantages and maybe there's a few disadvantages as well of being a solo musician. The ones, the advantages obviously probably be the personal connection to the audience and the creative yeah. control, which is crucial to get your thought process down into yeah. musical ideas. Yeah, it just, it means I can kind of do whatever I want. There's no deadlines. I don't have to run ideas past anyone. Yeah. So like if I come up with an idea that I really, I really like, I don't need to run it past anyone and if they don't approve it then it gets binned or whatever so Mm. I get to do kind of what I want I've got no deadlines it's a lot more convenient since I can just do everything at home like I can just come into this room and record anything I want write anything I want Um, yeah it's just the process I think it took a bit of getting used to at the start but once you like kind of learn how to do things and how the best way to do things i think it's i definitely prefer it Mm. and of course i can speak to people directly on social media people know it's me yeah um yeah that's that's cool yeah yeah so i mean yeah so and you you record some of your music yourself at home do you even like the the releases you've done yeah everything everything i've ever done with hell ripper has been done at home um the first uh couple of releases were done um, in my bedroom at my parents' house. <laughs> Amazing. And then, yeah, when I moved 
houses. I kind of tried to get a little studio room made up. Um, and yeah, it's been... How do you gain that knowledge? Is that through maybe watching tutorials on yeah. YouTube? I'm trying to guess here. Like, Yeah, I'm, for the most part, it's trial and error. Um, I was just... Um, I got a microphone and an audio interface um, a while back and I just thought, let's see what I can do. I just started like messing around mm. with effects and stuff like how does reverb work? How does, what's the good way to mic a guitar amp? But just, it took me years to like actually get anything listenable. <laughs> um, and of course there were like tutorials and stuff on YouTube, but mainly through trial and error because I've got like no patience. Like I'll be watching a YouTube video and I'm like, I just want to try something. Like I, I can't be bothered like watching. So, like, so it's just easier for me personally to like try stuff and yeah, it took years, probably two, three, four years to get something that was like even remotely good or like yeah. sounded like like proper. I mean, before mm. it just kind of sounded like a bad demo. There was like, mm. there was no um, panning. Like the, everything was just down the center or whatever. Mm. Years of that before yeah. learning how yeah. to layer stuff and whatever. You still kind of get the cavernous thing, though, in, in your recordings, which is yeah. nice. So it yeah. doesn't sound like, um, you know, that it's recorded yeah. at, at home, I do, really. I do try and make it sound like a full band playing, and I like to yeah. I try and get it to sound like, uh, like I mean, I don't want it to sound like really old school. I'll, I want it to try and get, get like a mixture of like the old school yeah. sound and uh, like a modern approach to that. Yeah, yeah, I um, think you've, cra you've cracked that balance yeah. for sure. Well, thank you. I mean, that's... So that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I've got limited like resources and limited knowledge. So I keep I'm learning and learning. Mm. So I think, mm. I mean, if you listen to the Hell Ripper releases um, chronologically, I think you can hear an improvement in the sound of each Definitely, one. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot more stuff I was able to do. Um, a lot more ideas that I was confident in pulling off and stuff like even just little things that people might not hear and stuff. It's just that. Uh, so did you have detail. to take on the, the whole rhythm side of it as well, James, as in programming drums? Yeah. Self yeah. Jesus, that must've been a nightmare. That. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was just at the start. It was just, it was difficult at the start, like everything and just learning how to do everything like at once. But after, after doing it for a while, like, I don't know, I just really enjoy it now and, yeah, it gets easier, just like with most things. The more you practice, the more... Because I sunk, like, hours into it. Like, I spent ages, like, trying to perfect things. Like, for the first Hellripper EP, I actually wrote... Uh, I actually recorded, wrote and recorded what was supposed to be the first Hellripper EP about two years prior. And it, it just sounded shit. So mm. I, I deleted that and thought, I can't be bothered... And what age were you then, James? Um, 2014, was it? No. 2014 was when I, start, like, when I started writing the EP that was released. I think it was yeah. probably 2012, 2013 that I started doing the, like, the first EP that was supposed to be Hell Repair that got deleted. So maybe 17, 18, okay. I think. Wow. Something like that. That's um, incre incredible. Yeah. I was um, doing a bit of research there earlier and I was like looking at all the output because you had the Lord Rot thing as well, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And I was like, Jesus, this guy must must be around for years. And then I <laughs> I see the age and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, the first couple of years when I was finally happy with what I could um, manage was like I was getting all my ideas out. So I got Lord Rot, Lock Howell. Um, I, was, I released a few EPs with Rats of Reality and then Hellripper. So if, I think it's 2015 and 2016, there's like, a load of releases. There was three Hellripper releases in 2015, a Lord Rot EP 2015, a Lock EP, and a Rats of Reality EP 2015. <laughs> so like that was like, just, I got as much as I could done at that point. And then over the years, I've kind of tried to, I mean, I think I've got, I'm, try, I'm like more of a perfectionist now, like being more choosy with stuff. And yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose because there's more people listening to it as well. I guess so. I think it's also because since I was like learning at the start, I was just kind of excited to mm. get something done. Like, but now I know that I can do all that stuff. So I'm trying to like, just improve, like just improve on what I'd done before. Whereas before, yeah, I was just, mm. I like, had just, a yeah. lot of ideas and wanted to get everything out there. So. And you want people to hear stuff. Do you know, Jack, you've, been in bands since I don't know how long, probably not too long, not like too long, maybe. but like five years, yeah. You're definitely looking at, we'd say, yeah. what James did from your own point of view now, because, like, I mean, you have the experience of the bands you have with Croza, Gallic. So, taking on a solo album by yourself, how daunting is that? Uh, it's very daunting, and um, yeah, I know this because I'm. Uh, possibly considering doing it yeah. as well. That's why. That's, I was, that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, I was so interested in um, in what you're doing, James. Because um, yeah, I do some recording myself at home, and like you said, you know, you get a mic and an interface yeah. and start off and pick things up as you go. Um, and you know, you meet so many people along the way that you know that you can where where I would fall down on the technical side, you you can get people to help out. Um, yeah. But it's something I'd love to do to have that kind of creative control on even just to do one album of it, see where it goes and see where that where that creative control brings you and what actually what actually comes out and see if that process is more enjoyable or more relaxing than you know than the the band dynamic because it is completely different you know yeah. the uh, negotiating and you're waiting for people and even your own commitments can change and you mightn't have as much time to give, which can be frustrating as well. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would definitely recommend it. it mm. I mean, it's, I mean, if not just for like learning, the learning experience, the more you can learn on your own. I mean, mm. I mean, just look, um, I've had to learn like basic graphic design and stuff like stuff not even related to the music yeah yeah um, those are the things it, yeah it comes like it comes in really handy for for all sorts of reasons i mean it's really helpful to record at home you don't need to spend money on a studio for for starters so that saves you a couple hundred uh, depending on how much you like spend want to spend on your recording it could save mm. you a couple hundred thousands on the actual recording yeah no rehearsal no spending money to get together in a rehearsal space. Not humans. <laughs> exactly, yes. I would definitely recommend it. I mean, if, just because it's something you can do on your own as well, I mean, it's it, if, you, if you've got nothing else to do, you're at home, you can try stuff and learn stuff gradually. 
that you don't need to sink all your time into it immediately and it becomes yeah. the main thing. So yeah, I would definitely recommend that. And yeah, if you if you need any tips or whatever, I'm feel free to like ask me if you've got. Cheers, you need, man. You, you might regret that. No, not at all. I'm, <laughs> like yeah, you were saying as well. Like I suppose a lot of the maybe a major disadvantage is the actual time consumption in relation to trying to organize everything, get your songs, your promos, mm-hmm. the whole lot. How did you find that? I suppose there's a lot of frustrations come true and then suddenly you, you get to the other side and go, yeah, it's worked because of the, the product alone. And then you get some good positive feedback as well. James. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, at the start, I had no idea about promo and um, all that kind of shit. So I was, so I think that's, I a, that's a different art in itself. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. Like I said, when I was doing Helper, I, I had no idea. I was just like kind of doing what I wanted with, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to release something. I just stuck songs out on YouTube and Bandcamp, like without any promo, without, without anything. And I kind of just sent, sent like a, like a Dropbox link to various zines, websites and stuff. And that was literally all the promo. Mm. And then, yeah, more people got into it and you learn you actually have to do promo. You actually need to, like, you need to learn how to write an email correctly. Um, just, just some stuff that you you, you don't think of, and yeah. or, you, or you think that would be like easy, but the harder. social media stuff. Yeah, social media as well. Yeah, uh, nightmare. We'll just take for example, um, coagulating darkness. How hard was it for you, maybe, to judge the level of success of that in regards to where you were? And were you able to kind of follow it in so far as maybe the, the way people were, you know, giving a positive reviews and just kind of way it spread outwards? Yeah. Um, I think, I can't remember like exactly around that time, but I, th- I still think it's quite hard to judge success. Like, because there's so many like different factors um, just with being more prominent on say Spotify, like, or Bandcamp or whatever, it's difficult to take into consideration whether these platforms were used at this, the same amount a couple of years ago or whatever. Yeah. Because now my Spotify streams, for example, are a lot higher than three years ago. But obviously I think a lot more people use Spotify, for example, now. Mm. So it's difficult to judge in terms of that. Um, but I guess, I guess, I guess you notice like a kind of some more Facebook likes. Yes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, people more mess messages and stuff. Yeah, I, I guess it's just kind of like that. But with Hellrepert, it's been kind of gradual, I think. Mm. So I haven't been like bombarded like one day everything. Like I got five million messages or whatever. It's just it's kind of been a gradual thing. So it's it's difficult to notice like mm. just how how much things are growing and or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to measure success. I mean, the main thing for me is that I enjoy the music. Like if I'm happy with the album, it's I usually, it. like yeah, that's, yeah. I'm happy. And then hopefully people like it. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's the beauty of like what you're saying of how the band started that like you were in a band with other people and you had this as your, yeah. as your home thing as your passion that had no rush to release stuff it didn't you know it didn't yeah, have that pressure 
so the fact that that is the thing that's that's grown is pretty cool because it started from such a genuine place yeah and it's yes yeah, and it's basically just the same since then that's why i don't want to change things like yeah that's why everything's still done at home i'm the only one in charge of social media i still ship out all the merch and stuff Mm, uh, actually yeah yeah i know that i bought, sent yeah, yeah. I bought sent a t-shirt and i got, got a shipping uh, confirmation about half an hour later yeah it was on my way to the post office just when you uh, just when you bought it, it was yeah like, you, you'll play. get you'll get one off me as well don't worry <laughs> yeah. i got the gold one as well yeah, <laughs> Thank you you, I think probably when you formed the live aspect of Hell Ripper, can you give us some feedback on maybe the first few shows and audience reactions? Yeah. Were you anxious, first of all, going into them? Um, I'm trying to remember the first few shows. I believe the, the I had no intentions of playing live at first. It was just supposed to be... Um, just supposed to be a studio thing, but I got introduced to a, a drummer who'd played in a few death metal bands and stuff, a really good drummer. And he, he said he'd be interested in doing that sort of stuff. He'd been out of the scene for a while and he'd be keen to start. And I was like, okay. And then I got um, a couple of my friends on guitar and bass and we decided to try and do some local shows um, just at a local venue. Um, there wasn't a lot of, attendance and or anything it was just it didn't really feel any different to what i'd been doing with uh, rats reality like it was the okay. same venues the same scene and stuff <clears throat> so it wasn't it was like no more anxious than a regular a regular show like at the time um and yeah we just played um, most of our shows were just in aberdeen like just local shows in aberdeen and then i think we played one in edinburgh and then we got an offer to play in romania at the end of 2017, which was really cool. And that was kind of like a massive step up for me because I'd never played um, like outside the UK. Um, most of my, I played locally, like mm. quite a lot. So it was like, that was when things live wise, it was, that was when like I noticed people were kind of paying attention, I think. Yes. When we got offered a show in Romania um, and they were kind enough to have us on a really cool festival, Bill and uh yeah, but at the start, I, it was just kind of like regular local shows. It was again, it was it was nothing really. Yeah. Do you enjoy playing live in relation to? I. Which would you prefer, playing live the whole time, or would you like just the comfort of being well, your own? Um, definitely just studio. It's my favorite part, like the yeah. writing and stuff. I prefer mm. that a hundred times more. But I do mm. enjoy playing live, of course. It's great to play shows, but. And of course, Jack saw you live. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, um, <laughs> yeah. I stumbled across you on uh, a road burn. Was it last oh, year? Yeah. nineteen yeah. on the, the Thursday night. The warm up. Uh, yeah. It was kind of like warm up, whatever. But um, I hadn't heard you. Um, so, like, when I my only impression of you was was that seeing you that time, and I I fully thought that you were. Um, you know, let's say a regular touring type band because yeah. he he had such such a dynamic and it was so oh, natural. But that's that's I, I suppose the fact that you played with a lot of those lads in the past. Yeah, well, that, that. Was, that was actually the second show of th that lineup. Okay, uh, the, dr the drummer um, Max. He only joined a couple of months prior, um, and. Um, 
Joseph and Clarky, they they had been in the band at different points, so they'd never played together before. Mm. And then we got we had a tour. I had a tour booked, and then we got offered like like Roadburn and stuff, and so that was like our first shows, um, Roadburn and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. You were sharp. Like I, I remember coming in and saying, "I'll just I'll wander and see what's see what's on," you know. And the first thing I see is the goat. Yeah. Uh, for Scotland I was like yeah we're, we're, we're sticking around here anyway see what goes down but yeah, yeah it was the perfect uh, perfect thing for that evening yeah I'm glad you enjoyed that it was a fun it was a fun one what was the crowd like lads for that gig was it a nice crowd yeah um, a guy got on stage and tried to beat me up <laughs> what Why? Did, you, did you not see that there was a guy who was a uh, drunk how did I miss that? He, he was at the start of the... He was at the front of the stage, like, right up against the stage. And he kept, like, shouting stuff, and we thought he was just, like, taking the piss and whatever, so it was fine. And then at one point, he got on stage, and we thought, oh, he's just, like, stage diving. That's, that's fine or whatever. And then he got me in a headlock. At, like, like, during the song. <laughs> There's, it's so ridiculous. It was uh, during one of the songs, and I'm like playing a guitar part. It's like a, it was it was conduit closing, which is a really fast guitar thing. And he had me in a headlock, and, he, and we were on the ground. And he's and he's whispering in my ear, "Can I hit you? Can I hurt you? Or whatever." Oh, fuck. I'm like, and I'm sitting there. I'm still playing. I'm like, da, 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 "No." And oh my god. god. He got off the page. It was like, what the fuck is going on? Am, am I right in saying that, like, I think you didn't need a ticket for, for road, Roadburn to get into that gig? I, th- or, yeah, I think so. I think that was it. Um, yeah, they did they have maybe separate tickets or something as well. So there might have been a few local uh, ruffians who made their way in for that I can't one. Remember, I think it was free entry. I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah I think it was Christ. something like that. So you might have got a few. Uh, Few idiots going coming in off the uh, off the street like that was yeah. fun. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, it's still it's still trash, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I never actually got hurt, so it's fine. But. Yeah, yeah, that, good story too. Like it is a great story, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you can beat that, or, or can you? It's just so strange. It was like the way he was like he was genuinely whispering <laughs> here. Can I hurt you? He was like, no. That's just fucking mental. People are weird. But then. Peaceful came into your uh, world. How did that come about? Um, the I just got an email one day um, from Peaceful. I think it was during that tour. Um, it was, I think it was actually probably on the way from Roadburn to London. We were stuck in traffic, and I checked my emails, and it was an email from Peaceville. And I thought, sick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I believe Paul from. Uh, Peaceville, who's in charge of Peaceville, he was turned on to the music by a friend of his and he just emailed saying, uh, uh, what are your plans? Are you doing an album or anything? If so, um, we might be interested. And yeah, it went from there really. And it was yeah, really cool because of course I'm a big fan of a lot of the Peaceville releases throughout the years. Of course, yeah. Dark Throne and stuff on there. Dark Throne, yeah. Bloodbath. Um, Fathomless Mastery. That was one of the first death metal albums I ever bought. So that's cool. Yeah, Dark Throne, of course. Uh, Bloodbath, Autopsy. There's just so many. Autopsy, man. Yeah. How does that deal work for you? Then you still have 
creative control are you now under as you said yourself you can take your time over everything but do you think is there an added pressure now to you um yeah i've got complete con- creative control like with yeah. the new album they basically mm-hmm. they basically just said email uh, send it to us when you're done cool um and that was basically how it worked and then yeah, I spoke with them and they and they said like as long as it doesn't take me like ten years to release an album, <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, they kind of understand as like how it works. I mean, yeah, it's so. I mean, I guess there's a little bit more pressure, but I mean, it's still not really deadlines or anything. I mean, mm. I mean, I should be releasing an album. Yeah in 10 years I mean, yeah. so it's like a reasonable deadline um, <laughs> do you sign a contract for more than one album then yeah it's two, al- uh, two. two albums yeah okay yeah I mean your creative outlay is incredible anyway and a lot of your releases James as well you seem to collaborate with a few people can you just maybe name check a few of them for us and yes so, um, Marianne is one yeah. of them Marianne uh, yeah that's my girlfriend she does okay. uh, she does a lot of backing vocals for me like shouts in the background she does a lot of the tom Araya type screams wow um, I, i'd noticed those all right man i was like how yeah, the yeah. fuck's he um, doing that yeah if you listen, uh, can't remember what song headless angels from the last ep uh, she, she's doing the the outro thing is it yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah. um um i've got Clark. dave ingram as well dave ingram yeah that was our, our drummer on the f- um our live drummer callum he's friends with him and he, he, like, uh, he, I've asked him if he wants to do something on the album, and he said, "Yeah." I was like, oh, "Fair enough. He can do this little vocal part here." Jesus. Um, and yeah, I got a few of my friends to do some guitar solos, um, mainly backing vocals, guitar solos. Just a few of my friends, uh, Clarky, Joseph, and Mark. They've done that, and I usually use for my releases. Um, an artist called Scan Valder from yeah, Iceland. Class. Um, oh, he's from Iceland, is he? Yeah, Iceland. Yeah, I think he's done. He's done almost all of my releases artwork. Um, yeah, I've used. I found out about him on Facebook, like just browsing through when I was looking for something for the first EP, mm. and I came across his page and liked the stuff. And since then, I've. It's perfect, man. It works with the music. Is. It's yeah, cool to have a, a kind of a running team as well through yeah. the releases. Yeah, exactly. He knows what he's doing. He's a good artist and he comes up with ideas that are, that like I wouldn't have like thought of that are so cool and stuff. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's like my regular collaborators, I believe. Um, what about, um, who do you approach then for mastering? Uh, mastering, I got, this time around it was Brad Boatwright from Audio Siege. He's done a few albums that I'm like a big fan of. Hmm. Um, the last EP was Joel Grind. Um, and is that the, Toxic Holocaust, is it? Yeah. I mean, he's done so much like cool stuff on mastering and, st- and, and that. So he'd done a great job there. And before that, it was uh, Damien Herring from Horrendous, who'd done Quigley Darkness, and he'd done a great job again. Yeah. Um, I, they've all done a great job, and, I was just, and I'm just kind of using different mastering engineers to like just to see what they bring. Yeah, like, absolutely. So, You're in that position to do that. You yeah, know? just to see. They've all done an amazing job and I'll probably use them all again at some point. Like, mm. it's just, 
yeah, I thought, oh, I'll get Joe Grind involved, whatever. Then I'll get as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll just just see what just see what happens. It's cool to work with different people, see what they can bring. Definitely. Like to, you can hear the subtle differences in you know yeah. the sounds. Yeah, exactly. Like um, I wanted a more in-your-face approach on this album. Like, so Brad Boatwright, he's like he does loads of uh, he's done a lot of stuff like that. For for example, uh, the Chemistry of Consciousness by Toxic Holocaust. That's got like a, it's just a fucking straight in your face kind of sound and he's done a lot of albums like similar to that mm. and uh same with joe grind kind of and with the first album damien herring he's got kind of a more like subtle approach it's like he gives things a lot of space and stuff mm. like, you can hear that on the horrendous like releases yeah, yeah. so clear so whether well, like so good sounding so like they've all got their different um, specialties, yep. and yeah, it was just like exploring, see what would happen if I mm-hmm. brought one, like these guys in. I think, and Jack will agree. We're both really intrigued, and you're doing all the right things. Thank you. And steadily moving upwards. I think it's amazing. But like, have you encountered people along the way that have helped you in relation to advice or? influenced you to some degree um i don't know about like influence i mean i'm inf- i mean influence can come in like really subconsciously and really subtly i suppose so like every time i hear like a new band and stuff i guess that i like that kind of probably makes its way in there yeah but yeah of course loads of people along the way have helped all the labels that i've worked with like throughout the years um a lot of fans i mean everyone that shares the 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 albums or whatever on social media or comes to a show and like shares it with their friends and stuff like every one of them helps in some way like mm. and of course uh i mean a couple of people and um, ben from orange goblin he was oh yeah ben. he got he got involved he let us um open up for them at the electric ballroom in london which was ridiculous yeah and i mean that exposes you to like a bigger um, yeah. audience and a different audience as well, because of course Orange Goblin are completely different to us. So guys like that have helped a lot. Um, um, our booking agents, of course, have helped. But yeah, the labels, I would say, they've all done a great job. Um, mm. Like everyone, everyone that's been involved really has done such a good job in in yeah. like helping the band. Because there's, there's a lot of sharks as well in the scene, you know. It's um, yeah. You've avoided a few of the pitfalls. Definitely as you get more exposure and and as you climb further up the ladder, I hope you've got a good crew and peaceful. Yeah. Peaceful is um, a nice backing anyway, straight away. What do you think, Jack? Yeah. Um, it sounds like, yeah, you obviously have your head screwed on. But I was just, one question I had was, when did you... Um, when did the booking agent come into it for you? Like, were you playing shows for a while and you decided to work with them or did they get on to you or what, what was that process like? Um, so that was a, that was a, that, that's a weird one because it, it was, um, basically I'd been in, in touch with uh, the booking agent company and I, I, was, I inquired if Midnight needed a support band for their tour and they were doing a European tour in 
yeah, the, the one the, the one last year. And um, I emailed our booking agent and he said no, but he really liked the music and then got us on his festival that he books. Mm-hmm. And then by chance, we played London later that year and there was like some sort of industry meeting happening very close to our venue. And they stumbled in um, just halfway through our set, just by like oh, pure chance. Oh, and afterwards he was like, he we got like speaking, and I guess I like became friends and stuff. And yeah, it kind of went from there. Um, and after a while, we we were I was trying to book the tour because I the tour for last year, two thousand and nineteen. I was booking the tour and he just said, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, I think Roadburn's looking for a band for the, the warm up show. If you want to play that on the way, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, midnight we're playing in London. And I, I think he had a hand in that as well because he's their booking agent. I'm pretty sure he was involved there. And yeah, things went well from there. And he said, we'd like to represent you at some point. And then, yeah just came from there and yeah they've been a big help of course they know what they're doing i i've got like i've got no idea what i'm doing like booking a tour and stuff and how to get things working properly how to get the best like venues get in touch with the promoters it's just it is i mean everyone that's like booked a show or a tour or whatever they know how how difficult it is to get it right yeah, and that, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls, isn't yeah. it? That people can get screwed on tours, but these guys obviously had genuine yeah. in, interest in you from the start, oh, and yeah, there was that personal kind of thing. Yeah, they've helped so much. I mean, that I would say that's booking tours and shows and stuff is not my strength whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm happy to let someone else do it. And of course, yeah, there's only so much you can fucking take on, James. Yeah. You know, it's, you don't. <clears throat> I mean, you don't the want right that creeping people. into your creative thing either, you know, all that, all that yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, they're the right people to like let do it. They're a reputable company. They they, they um, represent so many good bands. They they can get us more like better opportunities and stuff, bigger opportunities. Uh, just all that. I mean, mm. yeah. So we'll just do a quick run through of the new album as well, if you don't mind, man. Yeah. Uh, get the excitement going. Is there a team running through it? Are you sticking with the whole horror? Um, yeah, witches and... Yeah, witches. Uh, the Vampires. Couple, couple, vampire. Yeah, vampire, that's one. Um, yeah, it's mostly like kind of witches and the occult. Um, a couple of like historical um, like events kind of thing. Um Lyrically wise, would you spend much time exploring books um, for that? Uh, not so much books. Um, I like films and events. I mean, I do take inspiration from like books, but I don't like. I don't like to like do a retelling of the book. I like to kind yeah. of get what the book's about and kind of make my own. Yeah, interpretation. Kind of like, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a couple film. Uh, one of the songs "Beyond the Convent Walls" is based on the film slash uh, book play, I guess it was. I think it was a play or was it a novel? No, it was a novel. What am I talking about? Um, the Devils, uh, the, the Devils of the Dawn. Uh, the film's got Oliver Reed in it. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, 
Um, and yeah, but most most of it's like historical, like actual true events and stuff. That's the kind of sort of stuff that like uh, uh, influenced me the most. It's just in, it's just interesting, like how much mental shit has happened. <laughs> like, and how did you decide the title track? Um, it was just I thought it was the coolest sounding um, track, and I thought it kind of worked as a as a type as a title track. It worked as a an album title. Yeah, the affair yeah, of it, the poisons. It's interesting. Yeah. What was the background story to that, James? Uh, so that's like a that's a true story as well. Um, it's like a series of events in 17th century France, um, where it was like a large. Uh, investigation conducted um, during the reign of uh, Louis XIV. There was like a plot. Uh, plots were like discovered, like including possess- like possession, witchcraft, um, child sacrifice, uh, uh, illegal abortions, poisonings, and they were like trying to uh, within the aristocracy. They were trying to like poison people to to gain power. Uh, and they try to poison stuff, uh, people like that. The king's mistress was like trying to poison a rival to win back the king's favour and stuff like that. And Great stuff. Us medals love all that. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course the intrigue. Yeah, so much like shit all going on at one time. And of course, it's like, I mean, and you've got like the satanic kind of thing with the black masses and the and that kind of stuff with possessions and whatever within the heart of that so it kind of fit with the the hell yeah. team i guess like yeah. so yeah and it is and it is a team as well i mean there'll always be a few that will just go that bit further and expect yeah. you to live the image <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, a lot of people like are really interested like th- i mean i i don't have like a a massive knowledge of <laughs> Alistair Crowley and all yeah all exactly like that'll come with time yeah <laughs> and stuff. I don't I don't live that way I'm not a I don't live in a dark room with like spoiler alert <laughs> just a regular guy yeah but the stuff just interests me and I think it fits with the music so oh, totally it's fun to that's, sing about like. that's the thing that comes across as well the fun aspect of it is yeah. really cool yeah, like, yeah it is I don't want to take it really seriously, if you know what I mean. Mm. Take the music seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously because mm. yeah. that would be pointless. <laughs> it's just not me. Like I can't. I, it would be playing like a character, yeah. and I can't be bothered doing that. No, like, no. And do you know what? <laughs> like as long as you've got good imagery, got the ghost. yeah, yeah. Well, we can. We've got <laughs> in the background, um, but yeah. Other than that, we try and. I try and keep it as simple as possible on stage. Like, They're old school vibes, like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it more fits me personally, like my personality. I, I like I like it to be as simple as possible. The new stuff then is a mixture, still the same trash, kind of black speed metal. It's yeah, full yeah, on. Yeah. There's, more, there's, a, there's more, I would say, thrash going on in some parts. Like there's a lot more, some different kind of parts. Um, a little bit more of a black metal influence, um, a little more Merciful Fate King Diamond at some point. Um, nice. there's, a, there's a few like mid-tempo riffs that I haven't really explored a lot in the nice. past. 
There's one of those on one of the on is it the vampires the, the vampires grave one? Oh, uh, kind of like a, the Blood Moon Sabbath. Yeah, yeah kind of that one drop, drops into a nice mid tempo. Yeah, kind of like there. that. Like yeah. uh, try to do a few more stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, that was, that was tasty. Uh, just to kind of mix it up a bit from. I mean, usually I just go like full speed ahead the whole time, but I try to get a bit more uh, diversity, like within the, the songs and stuff. But it's still, it's still hell of a ripper. The same, yeah, it's definitely the, still the same sound, just with a few more elements in it. Really, at forty-nine, my age, I mean, you've ticked all the boxes for me from what I was listening to back early days. You know, for someone. I'm I'm just glad that you're you're in Scotland. You're not too far away from us, and yeah. you're fucking nailing this. It's happening. <laughs> it's yeah, it's the Thank whole you. Celtic thing is great. What are the chances of you coming over to Ireland for a gig? I would absolutely love to. I mean, if we get the right opportunity, if things permitted, everyone is free and stuff. Because I mean, we haven't played much shows, to be honest. I mean, I think over the past when did we start? 2016. I think we've played around 30 to 40 shows, so it's not really much. It's like okay. 10, 10 shows a year. Mm. But we are uh, this year we were planning to like ramp that up. We had I uh, know yeah. about 30, 30 to 40 planned for this year alone. Like, but yeah, of course that never happened. So we'll see what happens like next year. Like whether things mm. can happen. What gear do you bring, which is well, James, on stage? Have you much of a setup? Uh, no, not at all. I've got a Marshall JCM 900 head, um, and I use a Black Star um, Series 1 2x12, just because they're easier to transport okay. 4x12. And yeah, I don't use any pedals or anything. Jack. So, straight out of the amp. Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Can you learn a lesson from this, Jack? I <laughs> fucking, I fucking will. I will. I fucking will. <laughs> just too much to go wrong, especially for me. Like, uh, if there's yeah. something, if there's a way to make something go wrong, it, I will manage it. So, <laughs> I prefer mm. not to have pedals if I can, if I can help it. Yeah. yeah. Less wires to trip over. Uh, yeah. Oh, just because that will happen. Um, I, get yeah. my, I get my feet tangled in the wires all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just as simple as I can make it. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Joseph, our live guitarist, I think he's got quite a few things. Um, don't ask me what, but I think he's got a few pedals. Clarky on bass as well. He uses, like, an overdrive pedal, distortion pedal thing. So I think I'm the only one that doesn't use pedals. But It's good to see, too. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably get something at some point like to help with solos, like guitar leads and stuff. You know, like a like a EQ boost thing. But mm. uh, yeah, I I'm not gonna have like a pedal board. It's it's too confusing for me. I'll I'll end up kicking the wrong pedal and I'll that's <laughs> playing like full reverb, full delay, and that's some clean yeah. and stuff like. That's mad now, because I thought now you, you'd actually be, as I call Jack, a pedal freak. You know, I thought you'd be into all that side of things. But live, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, man. The less things, the less stuff. I, I was. I was like super into pedals and stuff and super into like gear and stuff. Yeah. And, mm. and then as I like started playing shows, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> Just get a good amp. James, yeah. we've been telling Jack. He's got <laughs> the best advice. He's got the I'm best all, advice. I'm 
I only used three pedals the last time I played, so is that give on? me a break. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. that's impressive. But I'm you did bring the that. whole fucking pedal board with I you, didn't you? I still bring all of the pedals with me, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to leave you go. James McBain of Hellripper, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you very much for having me. It's good luck with the album, man. Yeah, thank big time. And um, yeah. we'll really look forward to the album. It's the Fair Poisons. When is it coming out, James? Yeah, October 9th. October 9th and us two here we'll do our best man to get you to Ireland Thank yeah you we'll, we'll drag you over we'll drag yeah. you over we'll get <laughs> you in a headlock <laughs> at some gig we'll get you in a headlock <laughs> yeah. can I hurt you <laughs> well, nah we wouldn't dream of hurting you man <laughs> so you've been listening to Richie from the Metal Cell podcast again big shout out to James from Hell Ripper and thanks for coming on the show and thank you Jack as well